Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 1. The Gospel record of Luke and chapter number 1. We are now starting a brand new series of the Gospel record of Luke. And we're going to be traveling through the entire Gospel record in approximately 80 different messages. And as we see this, we're seeing the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that Dr. Luke was a medical doctor who had developed the, the skill of researching and through his process of researching. He interviewed eyewitnesses. He got to speak to people uh, who lived with Jesus Christ, who was uh, involved in the Lord Jesus Christ's life, to be have eyewitness of these things. He wasn't dependent on rumor. He wasn't dependent on hearsay. He wasn't dependent on stories. He put these things together and he set them in order for us to have the assuredness of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now because of this research put together, the gospel record of Luke is going to build upon each other, message upon message. And as we saw last time, we saw that the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ before he was even born started with the conception of John the Baptist. Remember that the, uh, John the Baptist's father was Zacharias and him and his wife were in their 80s and they were still praying and had pretty much kind of given up hope of having a child. And yet during the time of his course of serving in the temple as he was all by himself as the rest of the people left the temple and he's finishing up his task. Zechariah looked and there was an angel standing there in front of him. What a strange sight that would be, especially with a start being 80 years old and looking around and there's someone there that shouldn't have been there. And as he's talking with him, the angel says, glad tidings, congratulations, God has heard your prayer, you're going to have a baby. And all Zechariah heard was, I'm going to have a baby? How's this going to happen? And he questioned him. And the angel wasn't used to being questioned himself. And so he looks around and says, because I told you so. How do you know? that? Because I told you. But if you need proof, you're not going to be able to speak until the baby is born. How about that? And so he lost his voice. And as the angel went away, he comes back out and the crowd's expecting him to preach a message. And he can't speak. He can't say anything. And the crowd's looking. They said, well, he must have had a vision. Something must have happened. And so he finishes up his course. He goes back to his 80-year-old wife. And they conceive a child. And during that time, it says she hid herself five months. Remember, she wasn't hiding because she was ashamed. She's an 80-year-old lady who's expecting. You know how much work and how tiring that is? She wants to be close to home with her old body. God's given her grace beyond measure to be able to have this. 
Well, as we continue on in the gospel record of Luke, we could see the continuation of this story as we now put our attention on a close relative of Elizabeth. Notice with me in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 1. Luke 1, and notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number 26. The gospel record of Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in to her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among Women, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, and he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary's, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come unto thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, it be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke in chapter number one? The gospel record of Luke chapter one, and notice with me in verse number 37, where it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And with the Lord's help, we want to hit about this God who could do the impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the great privilege it is to be in your house tonight, to be able to open up your word and to see this wonderful history. This isn't a mythology. This isn't just a story. This isn't a fable. This is an historical account that was recorded for us and that we could... Um, See for ourselves. And I'm asking that you would just give us grace. Help us to see that you are the God of the impossible. And that we can trust you even for impossible things. Thank you Lord. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. If you wouldn't mind. I would like you to use your divine imagination. And I would like for you to picture in your mind. Dr. Luke. 
sitting with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jesus has already died, has already been buried in a borrowed tomb, risen again the third day, was with the disciples for 40 days and ascended to heaven. 20 years have passed since that time. And now Dr. Luke has the opportunity to sit down and interview Mary. And as he sits down, he says, I know that you've gone through a lot with Jesus Christ. And I'm sure it was an amazing thing. Would you mind, perhaps, if you would allow me to take some notes? And would you tell me your story? And you can almost imagine just a twinkle in her eye. And the memory of this event crossing her mind. And for her to say, let me tell you, when I was a young teenager how this started and begin to give the story. And I want you to imagine Dr. Luke in his mind. Remember, he's a Gentile. He's not a Hebrew. And he has been saved, been traveling with the Apostle Paul. But again, how fantastic, wondrous, impossible this account that he gives, that she gives to him as he's writing it down. And you could almost say when he gets to that line and he writes, for with God nothing is impossible. You could almost imagine in his notes to underline that. Underline it again. Go back and bold it. To write it down in big bold letters. And to say, let me tell you Mary, that out of the story that you told me, this impossible story, this would be what I would have to say about it. For with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. What is this story that is Dr. Luke is recalling and saying, Mary, tell me how it began. Would you mind tell me about this event? How did you find out that you were expected? Tell me about this event. And she began to tell him this. Could you imagine what it would be like? What is this account that would make him amazed? Well, if you don't mind, let's look at it for ourselves. Now, remember, we just had a major miracle just record. We had an older couple in their 80s now expecting a child. An 80-year-old lady who is now expected, have a bun in the oven, who is now looking forward to having a baby boy after all of this time. That's a major miracle. But as if that was just a small thing, God doubled down and said, you know what? You haven't seen nothing yet. If you want to think that having an 80-year-old couple who becomes expected, you think that's a major miracle? I'm going to top that. And he does. With the story of young little Mary, a teenager at this time, probably about the age of 15. And I want you to think in your mind, a little 15-year-old girl, who gets an encounter of a lifetime. If you don't mind, the first thing I'd like to show you as we kind of recount this story is this idea, thou are blessed. Thou are blessed. Notice, if you don't mind, it starts off in verse number 26. The Gospel record of Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And in the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. So we learned quite a bit already that Mary lived in a small backwater town. Now in the 
map of Jerusalem, map of Israel during the time of Jesus Christ, the Hebrew people who were true Hebrews, they lived in Jerusalem in the little section of Judea. Then if you would go north, you would have the country of Samaria, which had more of a crossbreed. They had uh, once had been Israelites, but now they had uh, uh, mixed with other Gentile races. And to the Jewish people, they were half-breeds. Well, you would go above Samaria, and there would be the backwater fishing villages of Galilee. Galilee was a sea up in the north. There was a lot of fishing. And this is where all the backwater people would. If we were to compare it to the United States, this is backwoods Arkansas. That in Galilee, people spoke a little bit different. Down there, they didn't have proper English and they say ain't and they would say different things that would make them stand out. If anybody from Galilee came down to to Jerusalem, all the city folks would look at them and just look and say, oh, that's one of those country bumpkins. Those are the people that's uneducated. That's what Galilee was looked at in the ancient world in this time is that they were backwater, they were uneducated, they were just workers, they were just, they, they were lower class. They were just looked down upon by everybody. And here is Mary who is from this backwater region. And on top of that, she's from Nazareth, which is the most backwater town of all of those villages there. So she is in the backwoods of the backwoods. Everybody there talks a little funny. Everybody there does things a little bit more simpler. Everybody there is just a little bit different. And that's where she comes from. A small little town that nobody would even blink about. One of those places that when you see the sign, it says, thank you for coming, see you soon. Or welcome to the town, see you soon. Just you go there and blink and then it's gone. And out in the middle of nowhere, in this small little town, here is a little girl, 15 years old. She's now contractually, she's... In courtship, she's going to marry some guy, but they're not married yet. And the Bible records that she is a virgin. She does not know man. She has been pure. She is clear, uh, clean at this time. And it's this girl who's been trying to live right, trying to do what's good, out in the backwoods, doesn't even think that anybody knows who she is. She gets a surprise of her lifetime. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, I don't know how you were when you were a 15-year-old girl, assuming you were a 15-year-old girl. But can you imagine as a 15-year-old girl thinking that nobody knows who you are. You're just living a simple life. You're looking forward to getting married in the next year. You already have the husband set out. And nobody knows who you are. You're some seemingly unimportant. You've been trying to do what's right. And all of a sudden an angel comes in front of you and makes a big deal. Hail thou that are highly favored. You'd almost think that Mary was looking around. Who's she talking to? Me? Well, there's no one else here. Me? Highly favored? Did you get wrong direction somewhere? I meant, me? She didn't think she was anything important. She didn't think she was anything special. And yet this angel comes and says, 
Hail, highly favored. The Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee. What a testimony that she had. She never knew that her character was under scrutiny the whole time. By the way, you probably don't realize that your character is under scrutiny the whole time. That God knows everything about you. He knows who you are in public. More importantly, he knows who you are in private. He knows your thoughts. He knows how you live your life. He knows that if you try to do right when no one else is looking. And here's Mary who never thought anybody ever noticed her. And God had been keeping tabs on her the whole time. And saying, here's someone who wants to do right. Here's someone who's tried to live her life pure. Someone who is highly favored. And God is with her. That she has a relationship with God. That she's been trying to do what's right. And then notice what it says. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. (laughs) Out of all the women, God's going to bless you in a special way. Me? How do you even know who I am? God always knows who you are. He's never lost track. He knows exactly what you were there. He knew about you the entire time. Oh, notice as it goes on. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation that would be. Now, let's go back fast forward in time. Here is Mary in an interview with Dr. Luke. How does this information get here? She goes, let me tell you, when the angel came to visit me and told me these things, I was thinking in my mind, what in the world is this? If they had candid camera back then, she'd probably be looking for the hidden cameras. What in the world is going on? Aren't you glad that Dr. Luke was able to sit down and say, what was you thinking? When the angels came and greeted you, what was going in your mind? Let me tell you, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Where did this come from? I mean, clearly an angel. What's going on? I mean, what would you be thinking? Would you be thinking, it's about time someone recognized me. What would you be thinking? She cast it in her mind. What is this? What salutation is? Why is this angel even talking to me and saying I'm highly favored? I'm a nobody from a nobody, nowhere town in a nowhere region. What do you mean you're talking to me? Verse 30. And the angel said to her, fear not. The second time this angel has said fear not when he's making a proclamation. The first was uh, Zacharias. Of course, if you're an 80 year old man and you're in a You know some of the spookiest places to be alone is a church all by yourself at night? He's inside of the tabernacle all by himself. And he learns that there's an angel there and 80 years old, he's checking his pulse. And the angel says, fear not. Well, here's a 15-year-old girl who's approached by an angel and starts saying wonderful things about her. She's scared. What is going on? Fear not. Fear not, Mary. You're not in trouble. Something good is going to happen. It says, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. By the way, how did she find favor with God? Because she had a personal relationship, a personal walk with God. 
That's how she had favor with them. She had been faithful in her Bible. She'd been faithful to try to do what was right, try to live her life for the Lord. And she had found favor with it. She wasn't someone who had messed up her life and wrecked it. Now God says, well, you know, I don't want to use you anyways. This one is someone who was trying to live her life right. And she had a walk with God. And God had been noticing the whole time. And he says, I want to use that girl. I want to use her because of her walk with the Lord. As we see the angel hail, he said, first of all, thou art blessed. And he also said, thy son is Jesus. Notice as he goes on and gives this proclamation, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So the angel goes on and says, you have found favor with God. And guess what God's going to do? You're going to be conceived and you are going to carry in your womb and bring forth a son. And you're going to call his name Jesus. By the way, Jesus means God is salvation. Mary, you are going to carry salvation in your womb. God is going to bring you this and you're going to carry salvation. And notice he describes Jesus, verse 32. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Now this is a big talk. The son that you're going to have in your womb, he's going to come forth. He is going to be God is salvation. And he's going to inherit the throne of his father David. And he is going to be great. And he is going to rule and reign on this earth. Verse 33. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Oh Mary. You're going to have a son. And he's going to be the greatest ever. He's going to rule on the throne. He's going to sit on the throne forever. And you're going to be the one that brings him into this world. What would you say? What would you think? Well, notice this. A third declaration. Thy cousin Elizabeth is expecting. Now, notice the natural question. Verse 34. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? Now, let's pause. Zecharias, when the angel told him, congratulations, I'm here to bring you good news. You and your wife Elizabeth are going to have a son. I know you're 80 years old, but you're going to have a son. Now, Zecharias said, um, how is this going to happen? Are you sure? And uh, the angel said, listen, because you don't believe me, you're not going to be able to speak. How's that? Tell we got proof. Now, Mary asked a question, but he, she doesn't get insulted or... or charged by the angel. Because hers is a natural question. Um, Mr. Angel, I've never known a man. How does this work? I mean, that's a natural question. She's not getting yelled at for that because that's, that's a good question. I mean, because we understand the birds and the bees and we understand the process of life. And Mary says, how does this work if I've never known a man? How does this work? And the angel said, that's not a problem. Notice what he says to answer, verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which is born in thee shall be called the Son of God. Verse 35. Let me uh, emphasize here that 
that this does not mean that God had a physical relationship with Mary. Sometimes people think that. No, this is saying that there was a miracle that happened. Here was a girl who never has known a man who supernaturally, miraculously is going to conceive a child by the power of God as a miracle. Not because of a relationship, not because of anything, but because of a miracle. Now, this is a big deal. This is definitely a miracle because it goes outside of nature. That's what supernatural means. It means outside of natural laws. Well, having a child outside of any physical relationship is outside of natural laws. This is a miracle. This is supernatural. This is something that's amazing. Now to back up her question, notice verse 36. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also has conceived a son in her old age who and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. All right? Now, thankfully, the angel said here, you don't have to take my word for it. Let's prove that God can do miracles. Your cousin Elizabeth, you know her. She's 80 years old. She's now expectant. and She's six months along. All right? Six months is enough for a baby to be showing. So here's some proof. Go visit Elizabeth. You can have proof that what I tell you is true. Okay, so this isn't just take my word for it. Here's some evidence. And then notice what he says because of this. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. The angel just told Mary that an impossible thing is going to happen to her. So in order to prove that nothing could be impossible... God had performed a miracle with Elizabeth. So that way Mary can go and not doubt it. That's a miracle. So therefore I could trust that God is going to do a miracle with me. God is a miracle working God. And with God, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. Now with man, there's lots of things that are impossible. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38, what's her response? And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She just said, okay, you convinced me. I'll trust your word that it comes from God and I'll believe what God says. That's what he says. That's amazing. With God, nothing is impossible. Now, let's take some time really quick and answer the question, why is the virgin birth significant? Why is the virgin birth significant? Why is this such an important idea? Why is it important? We know that there are other Christian religions, who, um, Christian faiths, who said that the virgin birth either is not important or didn't happen. Unfortunately, you would have people like the Methodist who have on their statement of faith that they do not believe in the virgin birth. Why is the virgin birth so important? Why is this a big deal? Well, first of all, it's a reminder that our salvation is supernatural. It is outside of nature. Think about this. We're sinners and there's nothing we could do to make ourselves not be sinners. You could try all you want. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. And guess what? To your surprise, 
you're still going to mess up. You can't force yourself not to sin anymore. But if you could somehow stop yourself from sinning, it doesn't do anything with the sins you've already committed. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Every single one of us owe God a price because we've committed at least one sin. But what Jesus Christ did is he provided salvation. Remember the word salvation and its root idea carries the idea of deliverance. We deserved hell. We deserve separation from God. We deserve spiritual death. But Jesus Christ gave us supernatural deliverance, salvation. And he delivered us from the punishment that we deserved. He forgave us of our sins and not just in part but the whole. He paid it all. Not only that, he washed away our sins. He put us on his account. The word, Bible word is imputed. That what Jesus Christ did is he just did not say all of your sins are forgiven. He made it as if we were never a sinner in the first place according to his record. Our record is clear. It just doesn't say paid in full. You look at our record and it is empty. It is blank. It's as if we had never been a sinner. Only God could have done that. To clear us of charges so clear. He had forgiven it all. What else is important about the virgin birth? Why is it significant? Because it's also a reminder that God's salvation is a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace. What do I mean by that? Mary was not worthy of it. Now she tried to live a good life, but she was still a sinner. And we'll see that on Sunday morning. God gave it to her as a gift. She didn't earn it. He said, I'm just going to use you. I've chosen to use you as my vessel. We also see something of this. What else is significant about the virgin birth? It's evidence of the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, the last time I looked, every single one of you had a mother and father, right? You may not know who father is, but every one of you had a mother and father. Every single one of us. It requires, that's the natural of life. There's a daddy and there's a mama. That's involved in the process somewhere, somehow. Jesus Christ had a mother, a human mother, and he was born supernaturally. He was born differently than anyone else. Now, this is important. Some people would like to try to say that Jesus was born just like the rest of us, and then God put his power on Jesus and made him the son of God. No, 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 no. He was born unique. He was born differently. He was born in a way that no one else had ever been born. By the way, we were just covering the other day, someone in a conversation, I think my children, but we were talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Was, did not have a human father. And we inherit our sin nature from our father. Jesus Christ did not have a human father. And did not inherit that sin nature. He was born unique. He was born clear. He did not have a sin nature. He was God robed in flesh. He was different, unique. He was not like us. He was 100% human and 100% God at the same time. He did not cease to be God to become human. He was God robed in flesh but was still God. By the way, he had all the attributes of God. He was omniscient. 
He knew everything. He was omnipotent. He was all-powerful. He was also omnipresent. That means everywhere at once. May I prove that to you? Hold your finger here. Turn with me to the gospel record of John. The gospel record of John in chapter number 3. The gospel record of John chapter 3, Jesus is in a conversation with a religious ruler by the name of Nicodemus. And as he's talking with Nicodemus, I would like for you to see what Jesus says to Nicodemus in the middle of the conversation. Now, he said a whole bunch. This is where John 3.16 is found. This is where some of the other ones that verily, verily, you must be born again. That's found in this conversation. But I want to bring attention to here in John chapter 3 and verse 13. John chapter 3 and verse 13, notice what Jesus says. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, notice this, which is present tense, currently in heaven. Now, who's speaking to Nicodemus? Jesus, who is also the Son of Man. That's Jesus' favorite title for himself. And he says, guess what, Nicodemus? The same time that I'm talking to you, I'm also currently present tense in heaven. How does that work? Well, he's God. He never stopped to be God. He was still everywhere at once. Just at this moment, he's robed in flesh talking to Nicodemus. But he's still also in heaven. Because he's God. He never stopped to be God. He did not remove his, his deity. He was still God, just robed in flesh the entire time. He was unique. He was God. He was not a sinner. Never a sinner. Jesus Christ was a special uh, miracle. Because, and the virgin birth is the evidence that he was unique. He was not like someone else. He was not just a regular man who became great. He was God the entire time. By the way, that also means that when he was two years old, he was not a sinner. When he was a teenager, he was not a sinner. He was different than any other child. Some people teach that Jesus was a sinner and then when he became an adult, he was no longer a sinner. He never sinned once. He never stole cookies from the cookie jar. He never lied to his parents. He never cheated on a test at school. He was always different and unique. And the virgin birth was evidence of his uniqueness. This is why the virgin birth is such an important doctrine in the Bible. Because it teaches about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. What else? Why else is the virgin birth significant? It's evidence of God's power and sovereignty over nature. That God had before, before had provided a child to bear in mothers, Hannah, others. But this was different and unique to be able to give a mother who has never known man a child. That's something altogether different. What is this telling us? With God, nothing shall be impossible. Man, if God can grant a barren mother a child, and then to top it off, he can have a teenager who has never known man to have a child, what is there that God could not do? There's nothing that God cannot do for you. That with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, we live in a world full of doubts. We live in a world full of, well, that can't be done. 
But with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. Maybe it's something small. Maybe big in your world, but small in the things. You may say, I don't know how I'm going to get these bills paid. It's just impossible. Yeah, maybe impossible with you. That may be a true statement. But with God, nothing's impossible. Maybe there's a physical ailment that you say, listen, because of my physical ailment, I can never serve God. And you know what? That may be true with you, but guess what? With God, nothing is impossible. Maybe there's a family member that you look at them and they say, man, there's no way they're going to come back. There's no way they'll ever darken the door of a church. There's no way they'll ever respond to God. Yeah, with you, that may be true. It may be impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You understand? God can do anything. He's that big of a God. Sometimes we fall short and we stop praying big prayers. We pray prayers like softball pitches. Oh, God can handle this one. God can handle this one. And, and we give softball pitches. But God is able to do much more than that. He is able to answer the impossible. Because he's that big of a God. One of our problems is that we forget that he can answer the impossible and we don't pray for the impossible. Our God delights in showing him that he is God. God delights in doing prayers and answering them in such a way when we go, hey, how did that work out? And we can say, no clue, God. We want to see it that in 10 years time that God has blossomed and bloomed this church and seen other churches started and people come visiting and look at everything that we have and say, how in the world did that happen? And we all look, shrug our shoulders and say, it wasn't us, it was God. God delights in that because he's the God of the impossible. So what is it that you are asking impossible of God? What is that big prayer that you are talking to God about? What is it that impossible that you're asking from God? You said, but I don't want to test God. No, 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 no. Don't put that in. God can answer your prayer and he wants to answer prayers. He wants to prove that he is God. Just don't be too chicken to pray. Pray big prayers. He can do it. So what is it? What is it? That you are praying for that is impossible. You say, I, there's, I've tried everything I can and I can't get it to work. Great. That's the thing you need to turn to God. Let God do it. Let God work. God can do a better job than you. Take your hands off. Say, God, it's yours now. And God says, I'm just waiting for you to get out of the way. God can do it. Put him to the test. Try him. He wants to show himself as a great God. Can you trust him? Now, remember, when you trust him, you also have to be obedient. God, I'm trusting you with this. You tell me what I need to do, and I'll do it. By the way, that's part of the deal. What use is it for God to answer your prayers if you're not going to serve him? What use is it for God to God? What benefit is it to God for him to answer prayers and you don't want to follow him? You don't want to obey him. God will answer prayers to prove that he's God for the purpose that you and others will serve him more. 
Because he is that big of a God. So what is it that you are praying that is impossible? Maybe that person is, or maybe that prayer has a name. Maybe that person has a price tag, or that prayer has a price tag. Maybe that thing has a specific thing. That is what needs to be taken. That obstacle needs to be taken out of the way. This thing needs to be overcome. Pray specifically and pray for it. And then put yourself at God's disposal. God, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. As we continue on, Mary hears that Elizabeth is expecting. And if she was like anyone else, I want to see it for myself. I was told that she's expecting. It's another thing to go check on it. Double check it. This angel said that I'm going to be expecting. Well, how do I know that he's going to keep his word? Well, I'm going to go check on Elizabeth. Now remember, they didn't have telephones. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have a nice thing where Elizabeth can kind of like take Snapchats and, and sh- share her profile of what she looks like this month. She had to go visit her. And we'll see about that visit on Sunday morning and see how that goes. But for tonight, what is that impossible prayer that you are praying? What is that thing that you can't conquer, that you can't defeat, that you just can't do it? Will you be willing tonight to say, Lord, I'm turning this over to you. I'm praying something that's impossible. And I want to see what you would do with this. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.